0: so that we might speak with love about the one who is love. The Archdiocese of Chicago, through the generosity of Sacred Heart Parish in Winnetka, now presents the Word on Fire. Peace be with you. Friends, throughout the scripture, water is a powerful symbol. It symbolizes lots of things. Life, God's renewal of the earth. But one of the things that water symbolizes is danger and chaos. Remember at the very beginning, in the book of Genesis, we hear that it was a formless waste and God's Spirit hovered over the surface of the waters. The waters symbolize this primal chaos that is opposed to God's purposes. But there's God's Spirit hovering confidently and powerfully over those waters. A little later in the book of Genesis, we hear the human sin became so profound on the earth that God sent a great rain which caused a flood that covered the whole world only Noah and his family in the great ark managed to escape same symbol the waters of chaos the waters of sin of disorder but yet through God's grace Noah and his family are able to survive. They're able, as it were, to hover over the surface of the chaos. When the Israelites are escaping from Egypt, they come to the Red Sea. They're confronted by this chaotic power that blocks their escape, blocks their access to freedom. Moses prays, strikes the water with his staff, and then it opens up, and there's a path in the water, and the Israelites make their way through. Once again, God's power is greater than the power of sin, destruction, chaos. When the Israelites are entering the Promised Land, now under the leadership of Joshua, they must cross the River Jordan. Joshua prays, and a path opens up. And the whole nation of Israel comes dry shod into the promised land. Same symbol. God's lordship over the powers of chaos. You know, ancient peoples in general were afraid of the water. It was the principal means of major transportation across great distance. But ships often hugged the shore because people were so afraid of going out into the deep. And you can see, I mean, ships were pretty... Uh, unreliable means of transportation so we see how this gets deep into the psyche of ancient peoples and it got into the psyche of the biblical authors water is chaotic water is dangerous now in the new testament the same symbol system can be found in all the gospels there's some version of this story of jesus mastering the waves jesus exerting his power and authority over the storm. And that's our gospel for today, derived from the Gospel of Matthew. Listen. Meanwhile, the boat, already a few miles offshore, was being tossed about by the waves, for the wind was against it. During the fourth watch of the night, Jesus came toward them, walking on the sea. Let me just stop there. We're now familiar with this symbolism of the boat. The disciples in the boat, led by Peter. It's the bark of the church. Like Noah's Ark, it's this place of safety that's making its way through the stormy waters of sin, chaos, corruption. The waves kicking up, it's all the vagaries of life, all the things that attack the church. There it is. The disciples are terrified, as we often are in the midst of a painful world. But then we hear it, and you're meant to hear now, you're meant to hear an evocation of all those Old Testament stories I mentioned. During the fourth watch of the night, that means the darkest time of the night, the middle of the night, Jesus came toward them walking on the sea, And the Spirit of God hovered over the surface of the waters. Moses strikes the water and a path opens up. So here, Jesus, fully human and fully divine, manifests His divine power, His Lordship over the waters, His Lordship over sin, chaos, corruption. It's a beautiful symbol. It's a ghost, they said, and they cried out in fear. At once Jesus spoke to them, Take courage, it is I. Do not be afraid. It is I. It is I. Ego eimi. I am. When Moses asked God, what's your name? God said, I am who I am. Here we have something in Matthew, which you often find in John. Jesus speaking in the language that evokes that definition from the book of Exodus I am I am do not be afraid the power that makes the whole world present now in Jesus is able to master the chaos that threatens the church then this great detail which has captivated Christians up and down the centuries Peter said to him in reply Lord if it is you command me to come to you on the water And he said, come. Peter got out of the boat and began to walk on the water toward Jesus. What are we given through our faith? We're given a participation in the divine life. I've often said it, that's the heart of the Christian faith. We are given a participation in the divine life. God has lordship over the waters, yes, and so can you, so can I, if we have faith in Him, if we look to Him, we make Him the center of our lives, we keep our hearts, our minds, our bodies, our eyes fixed on Him, we participate in Him, we too can have that lordship over the waters. We can walk on them as Peter did. But when he saw how strong the wind was, he became frightened and began to sink, and he cried out, Lord, save me. It's beautiful, isn't it? Through faith, we have access to this divine power. But when we look away, we look away from Christ to the waves, we look away from Christ to all the things that frighten us, then we sink. Who's a saint? A saint is someone who has his or her eyes fixed on Jesus throughout life, through all the ups and downs. And that faith gives that saint power. Paul said last week that through Christ we conquer all the powers of the world. That's right. And if you want real power, don't look to anything in the world. Look to Him. Graft yourself onto Him. Look at Him. And you'll walk with the same power. See, listen to what the Lord says. Immediately Jesus stretched out his hand and caught Peter and said to him, Oh, you have little faith. Why do you doubt? See, there it is. You have little faith. Faith gives us access to God's life. I mentioned the saints. You see this especially, it seems to me, in the martyrs. The martyrs, those who are threatened most by the waves. Those who are threatened most by the powers of corruption, darkness, chaos. The martyrs who are always in danger of being overwhelmed, but who kept their hearts fixed on Christ and therefore were able to walk on those waters of chaos and were able thereby to witness to him. Did you know the last century, the 20th century, had the greatest number of martyrs, of any century in the church. Yes, more than the first century, more than the second, more than the third, more than that great age of martyrs. The 20th century was the greatest century of martyrs. When the church was most overwhelmed by the waves, most threatened by powers of chaos, and the martyrs emerged. We know some of the famous stories. I've talked to you about Maximilian Kolbe, that heroic figure at Auschwitz who Exchanged, offered himself in exchange for another prisoner. We know the story of Edith Stein, another heroic figure from that terrible Nazi period. Well, there are hundreds, there are thousands of martyrs who witnessed to Christ during the storms of the last century. But I want to tell you a story as I close today about some extraordinary martyrs from very recent times. The Trappist of Tiburine, These were Trappist monks who lived in the monastery of Our Lady of Atlas in the Atlas Mountains of Algeria. It was a monastery founded in 1934 by these French Trappists. Well, they were there for many, many decades, monks coming and going. During the 1960s, of course, the Algerian independence movement arose, and the Algerians threw off the French uh, political yoke and established their own government. But then in time, Very radical Islamic groups began to assert themselves. And they came to threaten this monastery. Over the years they harassed them, sent them frightening messages and so on. Things intensified in the late 1980s and early 1990s. Some armed bands arrived at the monastery, threatened the monks directly. The abbot, maintaining his calm, would say, we're a place of peace. No need for these weapons of violence in our place. They would demand that the doctor take care of some of their wounded. He'd say, fine, we're here to take care of the wounded. The mid-1990s, things became extremely dicey, extremely dangerous. They were threatened now much more directly. Many people in the church urged them to find safer lodging. Many urged them to return to France. It was too dangerous. But they said, no, we must witness to peace precisely here and precisely now. When they were directly threatened, when it became very clear their lives were in danger, they gathered to vote. Should we stay or should we go? They voted unanimously to stay. These men, mostly in their 50s, 60s, 70s, they voted to stay. On the night of March 27th, 1996, one of these bands of Islamic militants came. They kidnapped them, they dragged them away to the hills, and for many days people didn't know what had happened to them. But then several weeks later, their headless bodies were found. They would all been decapitated. It was only then that a testament surfaced. It was a document written by the abbot in advance of this event. He explained why they stayed. They stayed, he said, in witness to Christ, the Prince of Peace. They would not flee during the time of persecution. They would stay even when the waves, the chaos, threatened to overwhelm them. They decided to stay as a witness to peace. And something extraordinary in that testament, He anticipates the day of his death, and he addresses in advance the man who would kill him, and he calls him his brother and his friend and prays they would meet one day in heaven. That's what it means, friends, to keep your eyes and your heart fixed on Jesus Christ, even when the waves threaten to overwhelm you. And you know what? When you do that, you, like Jesus, can walk on the water and God bless you. I hope that you were moved today by the word on fire. I pray that together we might become a people on fire with love for God and neighbor here in Chicago and wherever these words are heard. Until we join Father Barron again next week, I'm Cardinal Francis George. God bless you. Most interment arrangements at the 42 Archdiocese of Chicago cemeteries are made through a pre-need plan Your thoughtful planning today is economically prudent and contributes to peace of mind for you and your loved ones. Catholic Cemeteries counselors are available at your convenience. For more information, call 708-449-6100. Catholic Cemeteries, serving the Catholic community since 1837.